I love pickles, yeah. and I do not utilize that pickle juice enough. So yeah. I mean, the that's... whole reason you like pickles is the juice content. Yeah. It's like yeah. the it's just a cucumber. Like it's not <laughs> it's not this. You know, it's not like you're eating a delicious strawberry where the yep. the deliciousness comes from the product. It's what the the pickling juice has done to an mm. otherwise pretty boring vegetable. What we do here is go back, 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 back. And we're back. And we are back with another episode of the Bros and Brews podcast here on the 14th of December, a Monday morning. Episode 30 for the year and our last for 2020. How good is that, man? Oh, I can't I can't believe it, honestly. 30, the, I mean, the fact that it's the last episode, sad cry for 2020, but the fact that we've gotten through 30 weeks, 30 episodes, we're here now in December in, in the year that is 2020 is such a, it's, it's, a, it's a weird feeling um, that we've, I don't know, gone through this whole year doing this you know it is as i've said throughout other episodes it's definitely been a big light of this year um but the that we're in december now and it's christmas weird crazy crazy year but uh i'm glad to have have gone through these 30 episodes uh well 29 to 30 uh with you bro so oh it's a good feeling i think this is probably the closest to any kind of like not What's the thing? I can't even... January, the New Year's resolution. This yeah, is the yeah, most, yeah. like, I'm going to do this thing constantly I've ever done. Like, with yeah, the exception of true. sleeping, eating, going on my phone, and listening to music. I don't can't think of anything that I've done so, like... Frequently? Frequently and consistently. Yeah. Like, th- to do yeah, 30 yeah. weeks of one one thing is, is super impressive. So hats off to you and me, my friend. Um, hey, hats off. Head as on you, the back. As you say, we're we're approaching the, the Christmas time and a few few weeks ago we lambasted early Christmas. How are you feeling now? Is it close <laughs> enough that sort of the Christmas <laughs> Christmas cheer is starting to, to titillate you? How are you feeling about all things uh, hey, all things t- Santa? T- 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 Titillate is a great word. It's a that that's that that's I think that's the word. I'm not like I'm not like excited, but I'm teased by Christmas at the moment, you know? Um I mean the tree went up uh this week. I've got a I'm in my apartment, so I it, it's nice. I haven't done a real Christmas tree this year. Um we've done the we've done the lights lights on the wall Christmas tree. Um oh, cool. which is actually yeah, which is actually really effective. It's uh, I, I might put it up on the socials. But it's in the corner and it's going from like, it's not on a flat surface. It's going from like one side of the wall to the other side to the other side. So it mm. actually looks 3D with the lights behind it. Cool. Yeah, it, it's really effective. And then there's a little basket underneath as well that looks like it's the pot of the tree. Um, so yeah, nice and simple. Um, there's going to be no presents under the tree this year. Um, but it's... Uh, you know, we turn that on in the afternoon, and and it it feels it's it really does feel like Christmas. Mm. Um, but still, keep away all the Christmas music away from me. I don't really want any of it. Um, but I mean, there's a, there's a few bangers out there. You know, if if you get away from the classics and you're switching it up, 
you know, I'll listen to it. I'll, I'll get into it. But yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, I think I said this a few episodes ago, me and my family aren't doing presents this year. Um, you know, 2020 has been a hard year for a lot of people and it's it's been really strange working in retail and watching people spending and buy for Christmas and do all of this and stuff and we'll get into conversations with it with customers and I'll be like, yeah, we're not doing presents this year. <laughs> So it's it's a mix, it's a mixed bag, you know. For me, Christmas hasn't always been about the presents. It's about getting together with with the family, as it is for a lot of families. But the fact that I'm up here in Auckland, and when it comes to Christmas, I'm going to be here. I don't need to take flights from Wellington and all of that. That's probably what I'm most excited for this year. It's yep. just strolling down downtown to the family, spending a few nights with mum, without having to worry about any planes. So. I think that that's when it'll feel like Christmas when I'm at, I'm with mum on Christmas Eve. Mm. Really. It takes a lot of pressure off that the lack of need to do the present buying thing. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely definitely feeling that lack of pressure this year. Still getting getting a couple of things, but you know, having a small family, um, essentially, mm. it's just going to be mum, uh, dad, and and Fran bought a a present. Uh, for my sister who lives in Lyon but the thing is mum is so onto organising all that postage stuff sending it over that that was like literally a month ago so just sorted wow. it out and it's just been been done so long ago um, yeah I've sorted out a few little things but again similar to you just trying to feel or a lack of a lack of pressure this year around mm. sorting that mm. stuff out um, I said to Fran yesterday actually that I think what I've realized coming back here is how different the build up to Christmas is, uh, Southern hemisphere versus North. Mm. And I think what I said to her yesterday was the reason I'm not that excited for Christmas or, or not feeling that, that real build up is I think because we're just so excited for summer. We're yeah, just excited true. that the sun's out, you know, yep. late nights, warm evenings that has taken precedence over any kind of December Christmas build up. Mm-hmm. Which I think mm-hmm. in the Northern Hemisphere, because it's doing the exact opposite, it's getting colder and darker and gloomier. Everyone is just so ready to have something for a a few days off, but also something to kind of hold on to. Whereas here, the beautiful thing about having Christmas during summer is that it's kind of just like the the it's a the celebration candy can, the candy cane on on the top of the proverbial yeah. Christmas pudding. Yeah, um, yeah. Weird food metaphor, but in a week that is about food. <laughs> probably appropriate um true yeah i i yeah we have a uh a, a tree uh at the flat which chris and Aaron went and they drove however far north you need to go to be able to pick a tree in the field and get it picked out and bring it home and so it's a real one it is a real tree um it smells they picked it themselves that that beautiful smell of pine um, yeah. <laughs> mum hasn't sorted hers yet but but yeah it just it hasn't really it hasn't really clicked which I think is sort of very accurate of, of this year as a whole. I guess yep. it feels like yep. everything's a bit bit out of whack. But yeah, I'm I'm yeah. with you. I'm I'm looking forward to some R and R and some some time away. Of course, we're taking a, a few weeks off from the uh, the podcast to to enjoy the festive season. But yeah, and and I just haven't really jumped into sort of consuming anything Christmas me Christmas Christmas yeah, Christ, yeah, yeah. Christmassy whether it's you know, Christmassy carol music or i don't know tv's movie all that kind of stuff hasn't hasn't yeah. kick-started too busy watching ozark 
<laughs> hey, what a great what a great thing to be watching though. Um, but hey, coming com- coming off that, I mean, you haven't watched anything yet. So, what what is your what are your what are your Christmas movies? What 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 is your top list or honourable mentions of of Christmas things to to consume on the small screen slash big screen? Hmm. Okay, so last year I tried to be like, right, I'm going to watch twelve Christmas movies or a lot of Christmas movies in the build up to Christmas and really sort of fortify which films <laughs> I think I like. Um, and I feel like last year some movies really went up in my power rankings including my new favorite christmas movie and a few movies that are considered traditional christmas movies which really dropped in the rankings yeah yeah, Um, yeah. i'll start with with the the rise in the rankings have you seen the animated christmas film klaus oh no i know about this i know about this movie i have not watched it i watched it for the first time last year and I think it is the best Christmas movie that's ever been made. <laughs> yeah. Include it in your Christmas watching this year, both you personally and the wider listening okay. audience. It hits, so I'm not going to spoil the story at all, but it hits the nostalgia aspect of certain Christmas movies, even though it's a new movie. I think that's why lots of old Christmas movies do well, because it gives us that mm. sort of old memory and simpler times all of that kind of stuff it hits that the animation is beautiful the story itself is original it's not like one of those films that you just go and you're like all right this is the classic christmas you know we're looking at the hallmark romantic movies yeah, whatever yeah. definitely at least last year of the i think i got through like maybe eight or nine Christmas movies was by far the best one I, I watched, including all of the classics. Um, so that's at number one for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, also in the power rankings is Arthur Christmas. Oh, I think, I've seen Arthur Christmas. I think, yep, yep, yep. Uh, having now seen it, I think two years in a row uh, in the sort of lead up to Christmas time, I think again... I think I lean towards maybe the animated Christmas movies more. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Arthur Christmas is another great uh, animated Christmas film. Um, Also in the sort of non-massively traditional category, uh, The Night Before. Have you seen The Night Before? It's the one with uh, Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and oh yes 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 i've 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 watched that i've watched that a few times i've seen that a few times that movie um that's that's good that's funny who's the other oh anthony mackie anthony mackie yeah 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 again not like the best christmas movie ever made but i think why i rate it is because it's it's so modern yeah it's not definitely it's, it's not really it's not trying to do the christmas uh traditional christmas thing and if you're watching a lot of Christmas movies, it's very different because it's it's so modern. It's very in that mm-hmm. kind of Seth Rogen-y kind of yeah, adult yeah. humor comedy. So that's up there. Last year it took a, a jump up because having watched quite a lot of like the classic Christmas movies, I actually enjoyed something that felt really modern. Yeah. Um, a couple of the films that took a, a decline for me last year, um, The Holiday which I've just decided oh, is yeah. not a Christmas movie at all. <laughs> I mean, I'm 
I suspect this might come up in your in your rankings. I've never been on the Die Hard bandwagon. Um, not not that I don't like Die Hard. I just haven't yeah. got into that every year I watch Die Hard things. So to me, it doesn't make sense. Yep. Christmas movie, but I understand mm-hmm. to other people is. Yep. Um, the Holiday is just it's just it's just a romantic movie. It, it has no Christmas. Um, affiliation to me and the way that I make sense of that film Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I think it's out I probably won't watch it this year Um, and then the other one that's also down the rankings is is Love Actually get off get out of here having watched Love Actually (laughs) no I I used to love yeah 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 yeah. every year I'd watch it on Christmas Eve specifically Um, I still think it's a really good good film I'll still probably watch it this year at the end (laughs) when the credits roll and there's the the music playing and it's all about Heathrow Airport yeah that hits me every time yeah 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 but I think maybe I just maybe I've invested too heavily in in love actually or I think maybe I just need to find a different time to watch it like I think that's the other thing about Christmas movies some of them are Christmas day movies some of them are Christmas eve movies some of them are a few days before there's mm-hmm. I, even I'd argue like a subcategory of Boxing Day films where you still feel in the Christmas period, but the narrative yep. of the films aren't about like build up to Christmas. True. So maybe I just need to watch Love Actually, maybe slightly earlier, earlier before Christmas. But it's certainly dropped out of my like prime time whenever you're saving your best Christmas film for, which mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. again this year will be Klaus. Um, and then to move into some some Christmas movies that I don't really have a strong attachment to, um, Nightmare Before Christmas I've never seen, which I'm going to uh-huh. make sure I watch this year. Nice. How the Grinch Stole Christmas has just never been in my kind of wheelhouse of like something that I watch all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the Muppets Christmas I don't think I've ever seen. Uh, oh, it's a Wonderful yeah. Life I really want to watch this year because it's one of those old time films that is always at the top of Christmas list because it's super wholesome and, you know, nostalgia and all that sort of stuff. I've yep, just yep. always poo-pooed it as like, oh, well, it's from the 60s. I don't want to watch an old film. I will watch it this year. Um, and then Deck the Halls I've never seen. Uh, Krampus I've never seen. And then what are a few others? Like Santa Claus movies and Elf I've only seen a few yep. times and I feel kind of indifferent about. But that's mm, but mm. that's that's my slightly more long-winded than I expected summary. Um, no, 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 no. no what, I appreciate it. What about you? You've you've reacted strongly to certain <laughs> things I've said. What, or tell me everything. The best ones, yeah, the worst no, ones, ones you've never yep, seen. Yeah, I got you. Gr- growing up for me, um, I would say uh, a lot of mine are those kind of old-timey Christmas movies because that is that nostalgia product that I just absolutely love when it comes to Christmas. Yeah. And I feel like when I watch these things, then it takes me back to the times where I feel like Christmas was that just a little bit more joyous, you know, as, yeah. a, as a kid and growing up and stuff. It's more magical. Um, exactly. It is. Unfortunately, you know, I think uh, a, a big one that kind of uh, explains that story is uh, the Polar Express. Yes. Yep. Yeah. The Polar Express. Absolutely. I, I loved that movie growing up, but also it freaked the heck out of me. Yeah. So there was, yeah. there was certain times where I couldn't watch it like late at night, Polar Express. I think because... I saw Polar Express in the cinemas. I think it's the oh, only like Christmas yeah. film I've ever remember seeing when it got released. Yeah. Whether it was around Christmas time, I don't know. But I remember seeing that 
in the cinema at whatever age mm. we were and having that same like i think this is enjoyable slightly freaky <laughs> slightly freaky yeah yeah exactly so that's the polar express then obviously you know the adults grow up and it's they lose the spirit of christmas and all of that right right well not that i've lost the spirit of christmas it's just not what it was because i know what christmas is now yeah um <laughs> uh yeah another big honorable mention is yeah the santa claus movies mm-hmm. um tim allen absolutely loved those growing up how many of those uh, are there I think there's th- three, three, isn't there? I remember one and two. I don't really remember three, but one and two I can remember quite vividly. And um, is like the original way better than the other two? I remember yeah, one the of ori- them has yeah, like the, I think the so, Jack yes, Frost the original, character, right? Yeah, that's three. So okay. I think I think the original is when he becomes Santa Claus. Two is all about that he is Santa Claus and he's dealing with it kind of thing. And then I think three is when Jack Frost comes into the picture. Right. Um but yeah elf big honorable mention absolutely love elf as well not my like go-to every year but if it comes on i'll happily watch it um the grinch um love the grinch um and man what else have i got here home alone home alone oh yes big one love the home alones yeah home alone one and two um i i did watch home alone three quite often when i was younger um but it just wasn't the same as as the original two um I think with lots of these films, like, if you miss them for a few years, then they come back in. Like, I went through a two, three-year period where I was like, I'm sick of Home Alone. I just don't Mm, want to watch mm, it anymore. mm. Whereas this year, I'm like, oh... Uh, I don't think I've seen Home Alone in a few years. I might might dive back in. I might dabble. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Man, what's another one? Uh, Oh, yeah, Die Hard. Die Hard, uh, I I get what you mean with Die Hard in the sense it's not really ever been that movie. But for me and mum, Die Hard has been that Christmas movie. Because there's always a big debate about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. The, you know... The unfortunate thing is, is that Die Hard is set during Christmas. Yeah. Um. So it kind of does make it a Die Hard movie, uh, a, a Christmas movie. Now that that also goes into the same realm as bring it right back to the start for us, the creation of this podcast. Oh no! Here we go. In Bruges. Really? In Bruges. Yeah. In Bruges is set during Christmas. They mention Christmas a few times. It's set during the holiday season. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a Christmas movie, but if we go through the same realm of Die Hard being set during Christmas and the seasonal times, In Bruges is also set during the seasonal times and Christmas is mentioned throughout the movie. So... Yeah, I, and I should say, yeah. like, I'm uh, all for <laughs> films being Christmas time movies without yeah, yeah, being... Yeah movies about christmas Christmas. that makes sense like one for me that when it gets to this time of year and i'm feeling all like wholesome and spending time with the people i love that sort of thing like harry potter and the philosopher's stone yeah obviously not a christmas film but it's got that sort of warm cozy childhood feeling and sure die hard's not really a warm cozy childhood feeling (laughs) movie but i understand that when it got released i think it probably started in america and then on like the sort of television channels that uh i presume like free to air in the states they just put it on those slots every single year mm. so people just start watching it every single year and then True. it just becomes tradition so i think that's probably yep. what christmas is about for for people who are christmasy inclined and we should say i know people i have really good friends that aren't christmas people you know it's it's mm. not mm. for mm. everyone um i think people who are christmas people often don't realize that there are, are, are people out there that Christmas can be a really difficult time because it can bring up, you know, tough memories, 
you know things to do with family and and friends or or missing people or just it's it's not everyone's it's everyone's cup of tea um yeah and i think for people whose cup of tea it is it's all to do with those traditions and feelings and doing things at that time of year so absolutely oh, like sure. i think isn't titanic a christmas movie for some people uh oh isn't titanic like a <sighs> classic boxing day tv2 they're always oh it. yeah true yeah i think it's the same with like pearl harbor as well yeah pearl, they they usually play those around that time yeah you're very right um i've got two more i've got two more mm-hmm. so yeah my my other big honorable mention and absolute classic for me is jingle all the way oh do you know jingle all the way no i don't think i do oh jingle all the way arnold schwarzenegger it is a classic about a dad trying to get his son the most popular toy at that time for Christmas. And it is just Arnold Schwarzenegger running around the city trying to get this toy. And it is comedy gold, especially just watching Arnold just like just struggle so much. And it's uh, it's, a, it's a great movie. I watched it all the time, sometimes not even during Christmas when I was growing up. Yeah. And it was just a feel good just great classic for me so jingle all the way i recommend it if people haven't seen it and yeah it's going on a little my bit list, more man. of that old-time classic jingle all the way um and then yep you've already you've already said it you've already said it out loud but yeah love actually now i must admit love actually does not have the same effect as what it used to yeah because i watch parts of love actually now and i'm a bit like like last year i remember i was watching it with mum during christmas and i was watching and i was like ooh. Oh, it's borderline. There's some flawed like, just, characters, eh? Yeah, and there's some, yeah there's exactly. Some flawed, like, yep. Not all of not all of the stories within Love actually carry the same weight. Yeah, and I yeah. think we're at the age and probably amount of rewatches now that we just we we have way more interest in some of the storylines than other yeah. of the storylines. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I remember watching that last year and kind of turning to Mum when it finished, and I was like. It's not really the same now, is it? Um, but we have admitted it will be our Christmas Eve movie once again. Nice. So it'll, it'll still be there. It still has the same effect for us. Um, but yeah, we're going to try and sneak in a few of those others uh, this year. But that is my, my big Christmas movie list. Nice. I think we're on on similar pages there. But it's nice to hear you talk about some films that I haven't seen and ones that I have seen. Like, for example, The Santa Claus. I'm sure I've seen mm. it. It's just I need that little push to tell me, yeah, yeah. give yeah. that, give that you another feel. And I mean, most yeah. Christmas movies are like only ninety minutes, right? True. And I think True. it's a finding a balance between the pure Christmas movies that like a Santa Claus figure is is a big part of. And I would mm. put like the Polar Express in that film. I would put yep. Arthur Christmas in that film. Santa, yep. you know, stories where it's about key characters within the Christmas sort of story. And then mm-hmm. you have your other category of like home alone, which is clearly a Christmas film because it's so obviously takes place at that time yes. of year and spends enough of the film focusing on that time of year. Um, like Christmas with the cranks is one that I didn't mention that I watched last year, another Tim uh, Allen yeah. film. And yep. it's kind of a good light sort of a bit rubbish film, but you know, real people yeah, yeah. sit at Christmas time. It's all about those uh those stories and then you get into the other category of of love actually which not really a christmas film but they it has that Mm. christmasy feeling and it kind of ends at christmas um yeah yeah, i guess i guess i've i'm trying to develop my 
sticking my finger into these these different pies and getting a balance of them. But but my yeah, number nice. one thing to you is please please watch Klaus Cl- before yeah, yeah, Christmas yeah. before Christmas. It is, it is here and it is underlined ten times. Good 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 good. Um, <laughs> a quick shout out to to Christmas TV shows. Well, TV show regular TV shows that spend time in Christmas episodes. I think my favourites are always the the Office Christmas episodes. Mm-hmm. Very realistic and they're like christmas time like people giving crap presents kind of the the desperation to make christmas be good after years that have been you know rubbish for characters that sort of stuff um community has a few good christmas episodes i'd say just generally speaking episodes where you have characters that you like experiencing christmas time also hits Mm. a little a little positive heartwarming nugget when it comes to like pop culture Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was trying to think of like Christmas TV shows and things like that. And just none were really coming to my mind apart from one. And it's, it's no, it's not reoccurring anymore. The The show doesn't run. I mean, this episode was aired in 1992. Wow. I wasn't even alive then. Um, but I remember it coming on TV or, or they were doing a rerun or something. Um, and that's Merry Christmas, Mr. Bean. Oh, Mr. Yeah. Bean Christmas holiday special. It was a two-parter, and the whole first part was about him leading into Christmas. Man, it is the funniest. He is the. It is the funniest show ever. Him like fiddling around with the nativity scene, the turkey, um, oh, the presents for Teddy and things like that. That episode of of Mr. Bean is just crack up and i still have images of of the skits throughout that um holiday special um i think the two-parter starts when he has to drive his car on top he has to drive his car and he's on top of his car with a with a stick and a broom yeah um but man yeah that that that's my big honorable mention for christmas tv shows is, is mr merry christmas mr bean i'm gonna have to write that down as well that's gonna be a nice little little escape when i need <laughs> something throwback. that's not 90 minutes um <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah that's our sort of christmas suggestion list if you're so <laughs> christmas inclined and and you're looking for for films to watch this year i know everyone sort of has their their go-tos but nothing better than watching a christmas film that you haven't seen before and it's good and you go yes the next 10 years like this is on like, this is on the list which was me <laughs> last year with um yeah. with klaus i know nice. love actually will get watched no you know hate towards it but you're absolutely <laughs> right not quite the it same doesn't, as, yeah as it doesn't hit as much as what, what it, it used, used to. to be yeah um, for sure to move into this week's main topic though uh as has been sort of referenced teased over the last few weeks we wanted to do something kind of quite light and and uh warming to to finish out the year and and what has been a year for us on the podcast that has man we've had episode topics all over the place you know all stuff that's over been the super show. light obviously we started quite heavily on the performing arts stuff and moved more into sort of serious philosophical life questions type stuff but i i feel like bringing it round to this this 30th and last episode for for this first season um one of the first things we ever talked about on the show was was food food in terms of uh, i, I love it was, food was it episode one or episode two we were talking favorite chip flavors was our first ever question oh uh, there was yeah episode one i think that was the opener for episode one wasn't it i think so it was either yeah. one or two yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah very yeah. early days we went what's what's something that the listener who what what does everyone want to listen to and talk about food obviously food um and so we're doing just that to finish out finish out the year as we're doing our third uh how to episode and this one's how to cooking 
how to cooking how to cooking and that's and that's coming from you buddy i'm i'm interested to hear what what is going on in that kitchen and on the, in that mind of yours when it when it comes to cooking so um hey i start where you want to start man i'm i'm excited i need tips i need some tips tips and tricks um yeah yeah i guess i guess one thing i should should start with is it's just my love of cooking. For me, it's an escape in a similar way to, I kind of think gaming is for you. It's something that I yeah. love and I don't see as a chore of almost ever. There's sometimes we just don't want to cook, but for me, it is truly a passion and, and I do see it as a, as a craft and I find a responsibility to myself to learn and to grow and understand more. And as I think I've said before on the show, there was a time where I thought I would become a chef. Um, mm, true. I have, you know, I would love to open up like a small brunch place one day and, and, oh, and do so that awesome. kind of thing. Um, but my love of cooking, I would say is beyond your average Joe. I mean, I know there's, there are people who are decent home cooks. There are people who are rubbish home cooks. Um, there's a whole spectrum. Um, and I, I'm just happy to claim that I'm, I know I'm a really good cook. I've been told by the people that I'm a really good cook and I think rather than sort of coming on here and tooting my own horn, I think there's lots of small things that can actually make a really big difference with people when it comes to developing cooking skills and ability mm. to uh, grow as, as someone, even if you're just someone that you're only interested in cooking is so you want to make a few different nice meals during the week when you're coming home from work and not feel like you're stuck in the same redundant you know repetitious type few dishes and i think cooking can be really really intimidating um mm. obviously cooking uh as a product of your whatever amount of money you have to spend on ingredients um i think it's a big sort of ongoing discussion discussion in the world of sort of poverty and and sugar and fat high rich foods and the constant debate of are people having to buy uh, less healthy uh, food options and then there are the kind of people that will come along you know the the privileged facebook stuff comment article people of this world who come on and say well if they weren't buying bread and they were buying vegetables instead and then obviously the comments come back about well you're in a privileged position to be able to buy those food stuffs yeah. i only say this because i think it's important to state that again my love of cooking and my passion and skill for it has come from a privileged background and ability to spend time in a kitchen um observe the cooking process have access to quality ingredients so I just wanted to put that at, at the start here because, you know, if you're not in a position to be able to afford certain things, you obviously can't have them in your pantry or in your fridge. But that yeah. being said, I think there's lots of, uh, not skills isn't the right word. There's certain things that you can do to help yourself out, even if you're just someone that's cooking, you know, a yep. few meals a week. Um, but to get into it, I don't really know where to start. I've written so well, many oh, notes, yeah. and it's it's That's all what I was it's, ask, all, guys, it's all yeah. over the place. Um, <laughs> I mean, how? I mean, when when you get into the kitchen, yeah, are you are you are you are you prepped, or do you get into the kitchen, go into the cupboard, and go? I can use this, 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 and this. Or are you very prepped in the sense of I'm going to do this tonight? Very much the second option. Yeah, I for starters hate recipe books. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really use them. The only time I will consult people's recipes as when i'm not sure about process in terms yep. of either cooking time cooking or time if you, yeah. if you 
if there's a certain scientific process that you need to understand, that's when I'm consulting, which is why I suck as a baker. And here's the, you know, the, yeah. the, the twos and fro's. I'm terrible at baking. Um, mm. I'm a really good cook, but I can't stand the recipes and exact measurements and all that sort of stuff. My love of cooking definitely comes from the second option of what you said, the kind of proverbial opening the pantry doors and going, what do I have? What do I feel like? Um, yep. It doesn't mean that every single night I don't know what I'm cooking. There are, you know, some weeks where I go, all right, we'll do a curry this night and probably a yeah, pasta yeah, yeah. on that night. But very rarely am I going, this is exactly what I'm making. I prefer to have access to a range of things. And then, you know, some dinners I'll just be like, literally, what can I make? And I think a lot of that comes from watching a lot of seasons of MasterChef because one of the yeah. key challenges that they always have is mystery box. Mystery box, yeah. The, the sort of, these are the ingredients I make. What can I What can I do with that? I think that has specifically continued to inspire me as a cook, being mm-hmm. able to use what you have access to. Um, so yeah, very much not not prepped in the sense of this night, I'm making this, I'm making this, this night, I'm making this. And I think that is probably my not opposition to HelloFresh or my food bag. I know you, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. partake in those. I um, do, I do. Is I just couldn't do them because I want the flexibility to be able to grab bits and pieces. Um, but we'll come yeah. we'll come back to that later on because I do yeah. think those serve a really valuable purpose and are actually helping people become much better cooks. Um, to start at a random, a random point, because we have to dive in somewhere, I guess part of becoming a better cook at home is just understanding balance um there are the key uh what's the word taste sensation what a it's not feelings but you know there's balance of sweet spicy salty bitter and umami um those are the key flavor profiles um i think umami has become more understood but there's still people out there that don't know what umami is sweet's pretty obvious you know Mm-hmm. everyone knows sweet when they get it spicy everyone knows spicy when they get it but also spice as not heat is important to yeah, to note yeah, yeah. um saltiness uh bitterness and then umami is the category that involves meat and cheese and it's kind of hard to explain but you know it you know that's when people generally when people crave takeaways it's umami that they're mm. that they're they're craving um and I think part of what has made me become a better cook over the years is an understanding of balance and knowing that you can create a really, really simple dish that has balance within it and you actually don't need that many ingredients. For example, a lunch meal that I make myself often is a tuna pasta. Tuna itself uh, can be quite salty. Um mm balanced with that it's normally lemon juice which adds the acidity uh normally i have a bit of chili for spice and then something like parsley for freshness you can make and you can make dishes with very few ingredients but if they're complementary and they balance each other that is sort of the intangible skill which i think as a chef well as a cook or a professional chef that is constantly what you are honing um not to like try and compare cooking to gaming necessarily but 
it's the intangible thing that you can't really describe. Like mm. I would imagine if you were talking to me about being a better gamer, you can't simply say like, Oh, we'll have a better physical understanding of like where the X button is. Yes. I mean, literally if you have that, you train yourself that muscle yeah. memory that does help, but it's, it's more the intangibles of the gameplay. And I think balance yep. of those flavor profiles is something which you're kind of aiming for, but you can't necessarily, like there's no recipe for being like, I will develop balance over the next three years. It just comes from time and understanding yeah, of ingredients. Yeah, yeah. I, I so get what you mean. So I, I just, just to quickly comment on that. I was, I was playing, um, I've been playing Spider-Man and I started Valhalla last night and I was playing it and I saw something that mum didn't see because mum loves watching me play. So she was watching me. She was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even see that. And I made the comment. I was like, yeah, I've been doing this for years. You know what to look out for and see like puzzles and just the dynamic of gaming. So I get what you mean with the cooking. It just becomes second nature-esque, but you know, uh, yeah, what comes next and what, what goes with what, you know, how it kind of comes together. Yeah. I yeah. Know what you mean. Um, and so to move into, again, this is not really going to have any natural flow because it's just bits and pieces that I've been trying to think of, of what are the little elements that contribute to, to cooking. Um, spices and herbs, yeah. I think is a really crucial understanding of if you, I mean, for starters, spice and herbs, very affordable. I think the kind mm. of classic Greg's boxes in New Zealand are, either $2 or $2.50 for a box of spices or herbs where there's probably, you know, anywhere between 15 and 30 portions based on, you know, how liberally you're using them, how often you're cooking with them. Um, But spices and herbs in the dried sense are are your access to all form of cuisines from all across the world and can really make a difference even if you're using ingredients, you know, staple ingredients, you know, if you eat meat, meat, if you're cooking with vegetables, vegetables that make all the difference. Like cooking is more about flavor than it is about the pure items that you're buying, whether Mm. you're buying Mm. like beef mince or a steak or a, uh, a fillet of fish or a broccoli head. It's all about developing flavor. And yes, those things that you buy have intrinsic flavor within them, but, different worldly cuisines are all all about understanding the flavor profiles that are built from uh, herbs and spices that are frequently used in those parts of the world. If you don't have cumin, coriander, paprika, smoked paprika, turmeric, and chili in your pantry, you are missing out on (laughs) access to so many basic flavor profiles. Um, Mexican cooking, Spanish cooking, uh, Indian curries, most other uh southeast asian curries those spices are used in all of them and that's the thing like you are kind of it's you might as well be owning salt and pepper Mm. you can use those spices and add them in different amounts or different to, to different other base ingredients whether it's meat or vegetables and you have access to such a range of worldly dishes um so those are something that you just you just have to have in your in your pantry because I know that I go right I want to cook Mexican tonight I have the spices that go into Mexican flavor profiles so I'm already halfway there and then it's mm. just a question of if I'm going to make a chili do I have some beans if I'm going to make I don't know 
some kind of uh, Mexican fish tacos, do I have fish? You know, do I have the other ingredients? But you know, you can be confident in saying the spices that I have and herbs mean that I have access to all those things. And I think part part of what makes people go down to the same redundant cooking dishes is fearing like they don't have the creativity or insight to cook anything interesting but honestly that most of that just comes from dried herbs and, and spices yeah yeah the difference yeah. with herbs is that you're better off having fresh but fresh. it's more expensive to buy if you're buying them you can you can grow them obviously using fresh herbs coriander basil oregano thyme uh, you get just a such such better flavor but having dried herbs will still make a massive difference particularly mm. if you're making dishes that are I mean, to kind of describe them in a crude way, like wet dishes, casserole, soups, curries, yep. because they mix into liquid flavor. Whereas if you're, say, making uh, like a guacamole, you want fresh coriander because it's just interacting with one th- thing in an avocado. True. Um, so herbs and spices, and I think a really important thing for herbs and spices is forget any measurements. Like chuck yeah. out, chuck, yeah. chuck that out. Part of what is is important about becoming a better cook is having your personal understanding of volume of, of herbs and spices. You need to be able to just go right for this dish. I'm leaning more into uh, the paprika favor. I'm cooking Spanish. Mm. So paprika is slightly stronger than say uh, turmeric. You might, if you're making a, a Spanish paella, you might want a bit of turmeric because it provides color, but it's not as much as say, if you were making an Indian curry where turmeric is a really strong flavor profile and there's slightly less paprika. If you lock yourself into half a teaspoon, a tablespoon, <laughs> you're not developing any of that understanding of, of it's kind of like hand-eye coordination in sports. It's sort of mm. hand-eye adding. The same with yeah, salt and yeah. pepper. Obviously, you need to taste constantly. Taste. But, but what taste, I know taste, now taste. is I just trust myself in terms of volume. Same with, yep. say, adding chili flakes to any kind of dish. I'm not measuring out nine chili flakes. It's you just need to be able to visualize how much you're adding. And that means that you can cook visually not just by taste. You can get mm. a better understanding of how things are going just by looking at the food. Looking at it. I so, get you. So unlike baking, just chuck out your measuring stuff. I know if you're doing something like HelloFresh or my food bag, they'll provide you with probably the yes. size that yes. you need. But Very true. what you what you should be doing is when you add that to your pan, see how it disperses amongst the other ingredients. Be able to start visualizing how much color is being added and how much it's added to whatever you're cooking so that then if you go and you know one weekend you're cooking without your my food bag or whatever and you have you know uh, your your dried cumin you can just add as much as you need and be confident in that doesn't mean you might want to add a bit more a bit less i always keep Mm. my spices and herbs out because very rarely is it that i add the perfect amount the first time but in terms of a developing ability that's um that's really important. Herbs and spices nice. have all of those and start figuring out your own volumes. Because things like chili, everyone has different different tolerance. And, and same with spices. Some people like really, really punchy stuff. Sometimes you only want a tiny bit of smoked paprika or whatever. Um, do, you, do you have a favorite? Do I you have f- a favorite spice or herb? Uh, I'm a big herb-wise fresh coriander is the most i think it's just yeah, the most man. valuable yep. because again mexican it's huge spanish it's huge and in any asian curry it will make such a big difference it's just so versatile like for me if yep. i buy it from the market say you get a, a 
two dollars for a bunch i know that this can go across so many so many different uh kinds of cuisines i think in a similar way cumin is probably the most valuable spice mm. because it, it adds to so many different things yep uh smoked paprika is probably my favorite spice i like i yeah. just i love the taste of smoked paprika but so good. i think in terms of versatility just cumin you're just Bit constantly using um yeah, nice coriander is a really good uh what's the word transition point into the next thing that i want to talk about which is leftovers uh, and i don't mean leftovers in i've cooked dinner there's two portions extra i mean leftovers in terms of looking at your ingredients and trying to uh, maximize yeah. what you're using them for now obviously mm-hmm. we're living in an age where people are trying to be more environmentally friendly have minimal wastage that's all massively a positive side effect but i think from skill as a cook understanding how to use what you have access to and not wasting is really really valuable in terms of building flavor profile and just doing interesting things like not not just the the same tried and tested recipes that that you're doing or or you know dinner options or, or however you put it for example broccoli stalks criminally wasted the broccoli True. stalk now True. yes broccoli heads that is why we're buying broccoli that is that is like the best part of the vegetable i'm not trying to deny that but broccoli stalks are the exact same vegetable they have Mm. the same flavor very different texturally but people just chuck them in the bin all the time and it's like that is just keep that yeah you're making a curry chop it up thin and add it in and it's just an extra vegetable that you've added it will add a bit more flavor you're getting a couple more servings of vegetables into you're not wasting it and it's just exactly the same as if you put like i don't know carrot in a casserole or potato ones it's just understanding that yeah i can use that and it means that when you come around to your next dinner and you're going oh what do i have access to you have a whole nother vegetable there that you can just not spend extra money on um yeah Potatoes. I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of that. Which is fair enough because we've kind of been taught that like you, you chop Broccoli off the heads head. and you, yeah, chuck yeah, yeah, the, yeah. you chuck the stalk away. Um, potato skins is another thing. If you're <gasps> roasting potato mm. and you're you're peeling or you're making mash or whatever, you're peeling the skins off, dude, no. just chuck them in a bowl. Yeah. Bit of oil, bit of salt, pepper, paprika, chuck it on an oven tray and you've got like basically chips oh, before like you're cooking chips. your dinners yeah man Ooh. yeah it's pat them down with a paper towel salt yep. pepper just enough oil so that they'll crisp but not so much that it's wet um if you're doing this i recommend putting it on uh what's the word i'm thinking the, the uh, oven paper uh, uh, oven paper so oh, it's not paper. straight on metal because oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. oven paper will yep. help them dry but yeah salt pepper paprika or whatever your favorite stuff is mate you basically make literally what you're spending a dollar on at, at the supermarket yeah. a packet of chips before dinner they're so good oh, i've never thought of that it's um, so good if you're cooking uh bacon in a pan for anything whether it's you're making bacon and eggs on a sunday morning or if you're chopping up bits of bacon for you know pasta or whatever once you stop using that pan let it cool down a little bit pour that bacon vat into a tupperware container and chuck that in your fridge because when you come around to the next time and you're like Oh, if only I could add some salty smokiness to this dish. You basically have bacon flavor sitting in a container, which all you have to do is give it a zap in the microwave, bit of bacon fat. Like you can add that to any 
to a say a pasta and you haven't had to either go out and buy bacon or sauce it or you know chop it up and fry it or whatever you have that pure flavor there just keep that in the back of your fridge oh the amount gosh. of times i've used uh, why do we think like if you go to a restaurant and it says duck fat roast potatoes and they come out awesome it's because saving fat is saving it is is what like they're laughing at us the people who realize that you could sell <laughs> jars of duck fat if they haven't made that product it's just what comes off naturally from cooking the thing um so bacon fat is a massive one oh i've written that down write it down man and so I've written it down just, you don't get that much and I think that's the problem you know if there's a bit of bacon fat in the, yeah, the pan and people go oh well you know there's not enough there that will make a massive difference to the right kind of dinner um, coriander stalks that's why I was doing the, the uh, yep, transition yep, yep, yep. now coriander leaf is that's that's why we're buying the plant right you know shred it up put it in your guacamole sprinkle it over your, your paella put it on your tacos whatever but in the cooking process, one of the first things I do is I'll peel off the leaves and I'm left with coriander stalks. If you're making anything that's cooking down, like a longish process, like a curry, you know, whether it's a, a Thai curry or an Indian curry or even, you know, something where you want coriander flavor in it, chop the stalks up and bang them in right at the start mm. because it's adding the fresh coriander flavor you don't want to be crunching on raw coriander stalks in your guacamole but if you're making something where texture is gonna change i.e stuff that's crunchy like if you're adding a carrot into a bolognese you're adding it early because you're wanting to take the texture from crunchy crunchy carrot to soft carrot that will kind of mix in with your mince or whatever chuck the coriander stalks in don't chuck them in the bin like they're gonna add flavor like that i think that's that's the, the developing skill is going that will add flavor and i haven't added an ingredient if that makes mm, sense that makes sense um yep. and then the last one i have on this list is like lemon zest people buy lemons oh, so and good. they buy them for the juice and they squeeze them in and a lot of the times, particularly if you're making doing mediterranean cooking and again i'm still in the savory part of the world add a just a chuck a bit of lemon zest in there and you you won't be able to identify oh i've added lemon zest it's made this taste much better it's just you've added an extra ingredient it will add to depth of flavor and also you've you haven't wasted what is kind of half of the fruit yeah. um it's just building flavor profile and like depth of flavor and understanding that it's and pure economy and wastage and saving money is keeping those exactly. bits and pieces, particularly if, you know, once a week you're cooking something that has lots of ingredients, you know, a bolognese or a curry or a casserole or a soup. Um, just chuck that extra stuff in there and it will make a big, big difference. Wow. Um, so, yeah, leftovers in that sense, I think for mm -hmm. me, I'm always going, I know this will be valuable to me in two days' time or in whatever the next thing um, I'm doing. And I think in a similar sense to that, one of the other, I guess, key pieces of advice I have to people who want to become better cooks is stop buying multiple ingredient things. I, I don't know how to summarize those products, but basically I almost always cook from single ingredients. So yeah, single yep. vegetables, things that are in of themselves one food item, mm -hmm. i.e. not tinned past sauces, uh, not, you know, like... Watties mixed Mexican beans with a Mexican sauce, not butter chicken sauce from, or, or you know, curry sauce build up yep. thing from Patek's or whatever. Because 
you should be able to make those flavor profiles with the same individual foodstuffs and they'll be way fresher in terms of flavor like for example mixed mexican beans all they've done is they've added the singular beans they've added some of those spices like you just read the stuff on the back on the can we've added the spices and they've added some kind of liquefying agent to make that kind of sauce and they're just charging you double what you would normally have to pay and mm. The laziness of not making that yourself from scratch means that you're missing out on the opportunity to understand where that flavor comes from. Um, the only like mixed ingredients that I will buy are curry pastes for yep. non-Indian curries, like red curry paste or um, you know, Thai yellow curry paste, because what goes into those ingredients or, or the ingredients that go into those pastes are often either not sourced particularly easily, like authentic Malaysian ingredients, which either A, you just can't buy in New Zealand, or if you're sourcing them from uh, your Asian, your local Asian supermarket, they're actually really expensive in bulk and you never need like a whole, um, a t- like a tamarind or like a daikon <laughs> or whatever. Like there's yeah. just, in those cases, I think the authenticity of those ingredients, you'll probably never be able to recreate. Um, so that's the one thing that I I let myself off on in terms of mixed ingredients. But yeah, if you're buying pasta sauces and curry sauces and all that sort of stuff, you're, just, you're not helping yourself develop. Like how are you ever going to learn how to make a curry that that is made from raw spices that actually tastes something like what you want your curry to taste like from, you know, if you're getting a... a takeaway or whatever you're just you're just cutting yourself short you know mm-hmm. um spice hers we've done that we've done leftovers single ingredients balance we've done that um a few extra things to do with just basics is like understanding what different oils do i think people died by default just by olive oil because they think olive oil is like the creme Universal. de la creme of oils what a people misuse olive oil all the time um when it comes to cooking with oils, the crucial thing is is heat. There's smoke points. So mm-hmm. when you heat the mm-hmm. oil, at what amount of heat does it start burning and spitting? And olive oil has a relatively low smoke, smoke point. So at a shorter amount of time and a lower heat, it'll start like really reacting. Whereas yep. something like peanut oil or um, vegetable oil or canola oil, they have much higher smoke points, which is why they're used for deep frying because you can get them up to that boiling heat. So if you're cooking like something, say a stir fry, you don't want to use olive oil because the oil that you, getting it to the heat that you need it to be to interact with the other ingredients that you're adding is not what that oil's best for. Mm. So having two different oils in your house, generally olive oil and canola or olive and vegetable, in, in my case, you, for one thing, are saving yourself money because canola oil and vegetable oil are considerably cheaper. But you're also, again, you're kind of understanding that different things work for different cuisines. Like no, no Indonesian restaurant where you're going and ordering your mee goreng, they're not using olive oil. They're using mm. way cheaper canola oil, but people have just got it in their head that you have to use olive oil for everything. Yes, you want olive oil when you're adding it fresh to a pasta at the end or you're simmering something low where where olive oil you actually want the flavor from that but you're far better off using like canola or vegetable oil if you're trying to get that like fatty flavor for pretty much any kind of asian asian cooking or anything where you're using significant heat um and that's another big thing to touch and i think is understanding heat with cooking is kind of at the crux of of what being a cook is and it might sound obvious and 
people might like turn their heads and be like, yeah, well, of, of course, some things you want to cook on high and some things you want to cook on low. But developing the nuance of that, like something as simple as onions and garlic, knowing that if you're creating something like a, a pasta sauce or a casserole, you want to be simmering the onions and garlic mm. to sweat them out to then be adding other ingredients to them you want to cook them low and slow and take the extra five minutes that it will take to cook those really low and have those garlic and onions develop that flavor whereas if you're cooking a stir fry knowing that you have to the patience has to come in really heating your pan or wok up so that the oil is boiling hot so that when you add the onions and garlic in boom like it's going to take 20 seconds till they're at the point where you need to start adding your other ingredients and like understanding you can go into the whole category of i probably won't spend much time talking about cooking meat obviously you need to know the temperatures for rares and medium rares make sure your chicken's cooked so you're not getting salmonella all that sort of stuff (laughs) but understanding how heat reacts with different foods and how the same ingredient can be massively used in different ways um i mean the Burnt garlic's the worst. I do it all the time. Oh, I hate so, my so pants too hot. Yeah. Add the garlic in and you just don't, you're not giving it the amount of time it needs to just yep. like cook, Develop. To, to cook yeah. slowly. Um, so understanding, I guess, just the heat of whatever kind of stovetop you have or the oven you kind of have, mm-hmm. actually tracking that. You know, it's all very well to turn your oven up to 200 because that's what it says in the recipe. But if every time you're cooking something, it's not cooking as fast as the recipe is saying it is, you need to put two and two together and realize that your oven saying 200 is probably only cooking at 175 and you need Mm. to know that every time just bump your oven up a little bit similarly in the other way sometimes people just always chuck their stove pans onto nine because they just want to cook stuff as fast as possible like you're just you're setting yourself up to fail i'm not saying you can't (laughs) cook stuff at nine but some ingredients aren't aren't designed to be cooked that quickly that hot um yeah and obviously with with meat that's something that I'm still developing, you know, being able to just, um, feel, feel, uh, I don't know, like a, uh, pork chop in a pan and be mm. able to just look at it and feel it and go, yes, that's cooked chicken. Obviously you've, you've got to just develop an understanding of how much time it takes. And that's why the, you know, people who are world-class chefs, they just know based on, on touch. It's not about setting yep. a timer and looking at it and going, yes, that's done. But understanding and tracking heat as you use different kitchens, nothing worse than moving to a different flat because you have to go from gas stove yeah, to an induction tools. stove yeah. and all those different stuff. Um, there's other a few other things that I think are just really valuable to have in your pantry or your uh, fridge because you can add them to lots of different uh, meals without them being in the ingredient list. Like vinegar is mm-hmm. really important invest in like a seven dollar bottle of white wine vinegar because anytime that something asks for like you to add red wine or white wine you don't want to be buying that all the time i never buy a bottle of wine to add to add to a dinner Mm -hmm. but i know that having like white wine vinegar or red wine vinegar or balsamic you get some of that sort of acidity that they're asking for and because lemons and limes can be really expensive and they're the key ways to get into citrus acidity, if you're buying a vinegar, that will that will do much of the same job. And again, yep. like you buy a bottle, yes, it'll cost you seven, eight, nine dollars, but it'll probably last you six months and you can just add a splash of that to so many different ingredients. Um, mustard's another big one. I think mustard, some people, you know, I'm 
from my perspective, I'm talking about Dijon mustard, not like Dijon. big full yep. on yeah, yeah, yeah. in your face American. English mustard, but a bit of mustard added to so many things. For example, that tuna pasta, last time I added a bit of mustard in, Ooh. makes all the difference. If you're trying to make a dressing, add a bit of mustard in. If you're making mm. some kind of um, you know deep pasta sauce with some kind of beef mince or lamb mince, but a bit of mustard will make a oh, massive difference. Yeah. Same with Worcestershire sauce. is super valuable for oh, any so kind good. of dish where it's a liquid base and you're wanting to add umami flavor. Worcestershire. Even even Marmite and Vegemite, bro. They are so oh, helpful shit. to adding. If you're making any kind of bolognese, that kind of deep, uh, almost meaty flavor, that yeasty flavor will make a massive difference to... Oh, adding adding kind of that richness especially if you are just using stock cubes which yeah. in an ideal world everyone's using fresh chicken stock they've made themselves mum does it all the time and i'm in awe of her ability to constantly use that i, I still use stock cubes which is yep. fine but oh, you course. will make a massive difference to what you're cooking if you have Worcestershire sauce to add, if you have a bit of mustard to add um tomato paste is obviously another massive one mm-hmm. um I, for one, love pickles, gherkins. So I like oh, having yeah. them as, you know, the actual pickle itself. But pickle yep. juice, like that that kind of weird, funky flavor profile, sometimes that can be the best thing. Just a little bit of when you need to add some liquid to something. Not every single um, dish you make, but sometimes mm-hmm. it makes sense because you just want to add that weird, funky, acidity, pickling mixture the amount of times bro i've just opened the jar on a on a on a pickle thing and added a bit of the liquid and you can't put a finger on like oh yes this tastes good because that's in there but it's just another thing that's in the back of the fridge that when you just need to add something into it don't don't chuck out your pickle juice like make sure that as your pickles are going down you're probably cooking it enough to to just add a, a, a little bit of that into it yeah um yeah and i think another thing just as we sort of head towards wrapping up to say is a lot of people spend unnecessary money cooking and it can scare them away, you know, buying sort of expensive ingredients and stuff. Most of the time, man, I'm buying Pam's. Mm. Pam's mm. chickpeas, Pam's, you know, beans. Uh, there are lots of ingredients that the uh, cheapest version of it is just as good as, as the best version of it. Not always the case. There are some things like you're better off, as I said, buying one good bottle of, say, white wine vinegar because it will last you a long amount of time. But for base staples, it's just buy the base stuff. Like you're better off having always. I always have a tin of black beans, uh, pinto beans, and red kidney beans in my pantry. Mm-hmm. So don't don't buy like the Waddy's Mexican mix of the three because it's literally <laughs> just the same three things put in and charge the price one. of what it would cost yeah, you to yeah, buy yeah. two of the others. Um, I did think I'd get into starches like your pastas, your rices and noodles, couscous, chickpeas, beans. But I don't know if there's too much to say. It, I guess it's just understanding the cooking process of those things and having them as staples in your pantry so that you know you kind of have starch covered. Yeah, and I think that's what I've done over the last few years is is try to have a stocked pantry of spices, of starches, and bits and pieces in the fridge that I know over six months the what you invested in it buying it once or you used multiple times, and then now I just look at dinner as going what cuisine do I want to make, 
And then from that, what vegetables do I want to buy? And if it's a dish that is going to include meat in it, because um, I do eat meat not as often as I used to. I'm cooking, mm-hmm. I think cooking vegetarian is another thing that people can do to really up their cooking game because you understand that you're not just yeah. buying a chicken breast and adding random stuff, but really all you care about is the chicken breast. Uh, that is one thing I guess I'd recommend to people is start cooking a few more vegetarian meals because not mm. only will you understand, realize that vegetables are just as delicious if not more delicious than meat products you understand creating flavor a bit better than going oh i'm cooking a steak and everything else is kind of just secondary (laughs) yeah Um, you you learn to endow the vegetables yeah absolutely um i've blitzed through i haven't left a lot of time (laughs) for any questions or or thoughts from the thoughts from you but is there anything that that sort of sung out to you or any quick questions you have bits and like I said, it's not an exact science. These are just things that came to me this week that I think yeah, yeah. lots of people might not realize or, or things that they don't necessarily like tell you in a recipe book, you know? No, exactly. No, I've I've written down a few things like the bacon fat was one that kind of uh, something I just hadn't thought about before, which um, I find interesting in the sense of like you were saying waste, you know, and leftovers and things. I think that's a really important thing to, to think about going forward. Um, the difference between, yeah, olive oil and canola oil and stuff. I've I've always found it really hard for myself knowing the difference. So I, I, I am one of those ones that just cook with olive oil for all situations. Um, but now listening to you talk about that, I know I need to go get another bottle of something. Um, and then I also wrote down the pickle juice because I love pickles. Yeah. And I do not utilize that pickle juice enough. So yeah. I mean, the that's... whole reason you like pickles is the juice content. Yeah. It's like yeah. the it's just a cucumber like it's not <laughs> it's not this you know it's not like you're eating a delicious strawberry where the, yep. the deliciousness comes from the product it's what the the pickling juice has done to an mm. otherwise pretty boring vegetable so exactly. why would you not add the thing that's creating the flavor that you love like that that pickly sort of acidity mm-hmm. that can go into so many things where you just want to add some kind of like pickly goodness <laughs> yeah. no that's so good um, yeah, I, I think the the thing I've valued the most about this is that obviously you were talking about HelloFresh and I am one of these HelloFresh people, yeah. you know, and I mean, definitely this year, my cooking has gone like up, you know, um, I, I am obviously following recipes and I pick what I want to cook for the week and stuff. And I am just using what they provide for me. But I think what you were saying before uh, uh, at the start, I now have like, I'm more confident when it now comes to the science Yep. of a lot of stuff and yep. how things work like how you're saying about lemon zest man like getting a greek yogurt with a squeeze of lemon putting the lemon zest in it with a crack of salt and pepper and making a dressing out of that so good three ingredients yeah and, and you've utilized you're really letting like the lemon sing it's, yep. it sounds yep. really sort of naff but that's what you're doing <laughs> you're using all the aspects of it i, yeah. I think lemon's a yeah. really good one like and the elements of of cooking that once you know just store it yep. in your brain for example yep. if you've got a lemon or a lime that feels really tough roll it out on a bench mm. or chuck it in the microwave for a few uh, five seconds or so because what those processes do is they separate the juice from the skin and it means that when you're squeezing a lime way more comes out and all you need to know is like just one person that one time telling you hey roll your lemon on the bench for 20 seconds and it'll make <laughs> get you get like a hundred percent more lemon juice than you would would normally just those little things that you kind Mm. of once you know them then you can add them to your process and your like 
scientific understanding i think that's kind of where this comes from people think that cooking is all about the ingredients you have but honestly it's more about understanding how ingredients relate to each other cooking processes of of heat and making yourself you know using a non-stick pan versus using a stick pan deciding to buy um chicken thigh because you understand that the bone actually means that it will add more flavor than the breast Mm. which is more expensive for the ease of cooking understanding that something is actually better off spending 30 minutes in an oven than 15 minutes on the stove because you'll get a more even cooking time it's it's obviously i encourage people to use recipe books if you're someone that is struggling to find new ideas i think that's mm-hmm. where recipe books are really helpful to say yeah here's something you make with this list of stuff providing inspiration but i think when it comes to cooking dishes themselves especially if you're doing hello fresh or my food bag where they give you the ingredients they give you the recipe be confident enough to go yep this is saying how long to cook it here's the process i'm gonna i'm gonna observe what those processes are but i'm just gonna semi-wing it like i know the rough order of things and not being stressed about like what does the book say what does the book say Mm. because like cooking's all just about people's opinions of of how things should go and in what order and in what volume and you're never gonna like learn gordon ramsay's or nadia limbs like volumes and orders of stuff you have to develop that for yourself over time and that comes from being confident enough to add a little bit something extra take something out of a recipe if you don't like it you know that kind mm. of independence oh, yeah. of process and actually understanding the science of of what goes into it as as you said so yeah no yeah. no beef yeah. against my food bag or, or whatever i think it's encouraging a lot more people to try a lot of different things um i would just encourage people who are doing those sort of cooking programs to not be afraid to add an extra ingredient that you have in Mm. your fridge or your pantry it'll make it just a little bit a little bit better you know don't be confined by the ideas of like what have to go into a bolognese trust me chuck yep. a little bit of marmite in there like it'll make a massive <laughs> difference um well and it, and it becomes a little bit more yours as well you yeah know? Absolutely. like your own flair and touch yeah because yeah. ne- next year i have made the decision to stop like i now have like a lot of the recipes and things stored away um from what i've cooked this year so next year it's really going to be about like i i am very much a meal prep like I like to prep it out uh, throughout the process as you were talking about like I love I love tasting and and seeing what needs more like I love salt and pepper um, I love doing bolognese and things like that bolognese is probably my my big meal that I love doing like a good spag bowl um, and meat I, I I can cook any meat man nice. I, I love cooking meat um, so I've always been really confident with that kind of stuff but yeah next year I just want to because for me HelloFresh it, it is that waste in the terms of packaging and stuff which I don't yeah. I really don't like yeah. I've been keeping going through it because it's been a nice constant and it's I can just get home after work and just cook it um, but next year I'm going to endeavour to um, really take a lot of these tips that you've just uh, said and yeah just go for it eh? just get a lot more confident in my cooking now that I have some of that science and understanding how flavors and spices and things work and temperatures and oils so um yeah man. yeah and it's funny that you bring up mints because i think that's one one final tip that i'll add because it's something i've learned recently and again it's not being afraid to learn new little bits and pieces and adding them to your arsenal one thing that i learned recently with mints i mean the scientific process of mints is you add it to a pan 
with probably some oil it'll brown for a bit but then the liquid will start coming out of mm. uh, the mince and it will stop browning and you get frustrated because you're like oh i just want this to brown but it's all this liquid um if you're cooking mince and you don't have a lot of time rather than trying to you know bash it up into tiny small you know because that's traditionally what we're taught with mince right yeah. is separate it so you have the maximum amount of stuff on the surface area if you're looking for minimal time cook of mince but you also want it to brown don't smash it up so much just cook it in like seven or eight big chunks rather than i don't know 50 smaller chunks because what that will do is you'll brown about like 50 percent of area yep well, it's just that if you keep the clumps together and you just attempt to brown one side of a big chunk, you're kind of yeah. getting 50% of it brown. The whole amount um. of mince doesn't have to be brown, but as soon as you break it up massively, uh, you're you're allowing the liquid to escape much faster, yep. which is perfect yep. if you have the time to do a three-hour bolognese where you break it up, you let all the liquid escape, and once the liquid escapes, then every single little nugget of mince will brown, and ultimately that will be even better flavor but if you don't have the time this is something i learned recently just bash it up into five or six big bits almost cook them as meatballs and then as soon as the liquid starts coming out then you're like right that's the browning i've done added in all the other ingredients let it cook so there's there's Uh, always little things that you can learn to do and just it's just about like adding that thing to the back of your head adding that thing to the back of your head um man guys Oh, that's this. That I, I, I gotta say, this is probably if you're listening to this episode right now, episode thirty. What a, what a Christmas gift! What a Christmas gift for for 2021 when it comes to you and your cooking, uh, with with how to cooking with James. Man, that's that's been so good. There's some lovely little 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 tips and tricks in amongst all of that. And I'm I I, I gotta say, listening to you, I've now uh, I was I've been watching myself cook all the things that I've been cooking this year. Yeah. Thinking, uh, okay, that's what I've gotta do. Okay, yeah, that's what I've got to do now. Um thank you. <laughs> it was that's so right, good. Man. Thank you for, for letting me for speak for far longer than we than we agreed to before. <laughs> yeah, I just true. love cooking and everyone and yeah, is, nice. everyone loves food. It's so nice when if you're cooking for other people to feel confident in what you're doing and, and be complimented on the food that you make. So yeah, I just wanted to provide some some thoughts from and this is again just my perspective of what I do. I know some people are super recipe based. I know some people like to plan exactly in advance what they're doing. Everyone's life is, is different in terms of the ingredients that you access have access to, how many times you can go to the supermarket, what amount of money you have to buy on expensive or non-expensive ingredients. But there are certain things that everyone can do to make themselves slightly better cooks. And particularly if you're interested in, in I guess, over time developing your understanding of, of flavor in different cuisines, some of the things that I mentioned I think will help. Um, but yeah. That's a wrap on my on my how to <laughs> how to cooking. Maybe we'll do another one at some point on specific, you know, ingredients or cuisines or process. But thank you for letting me come on and, and talk about what is what is one of my my big passions and and you know getting into the Christmas season. I think people are really inclined to be in the kitchen and you know mm, whether you're true. doing a turkey or just trying to make a pavlova, something which I know absolutely nothing about. By the way, how the pav <laughs> works. Um, yeah, maybe just start start implementing some of those some of those small changes and and obviously as we said um the less waste the better and if you're yep. if you're doing positive impact on on the planet planet 
uh, as well as improving your cooking then then that's a massive positive but yeah thank you so much for for letting me talk and and what is our last episode for the year man isn't that crazy 30 weeks we've done yeah man it's so weird. I mean, to think there's yeah, 52 weeks in a year, and with 30 of those, we've we've smashed out an episode every week. Is I, I, honestly, I'm really proud, man. You know, I'm really proud of us uh, using or having this podcast this year and amongst 2020, and you know, uh, just a massive, massive big thanks to everyone who's been tuning in every week. You know, jumps on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, where, wherever you're grabbing your podcasts, we. We, from the bottom of our hearts thank you so much yeah, for for making 2020 what it was and what it is you know that really real light light throughout the darkness um for for a lot of us for a lot of us so man yeah 30 episodes crazy man it's crazy, it's crazy. and we have a big list of of, of people to thank um big why, thank why don't you rattle through them bro because i know i know you got that you got that that list down I all got the people the, that we had to list. send some send list. some love to out there <laughs> Um, well, hey, first off, I just want to give a massive thank you to um, TNC Podcast, um, That's Not Canon Podcasts, for, for picking us up this year. Um, honestly, we were really, really humbled and, and honoured to, to come and be a part of uh, your, your production and, and everything that you guys are doing. And, you know, you, we, we see every week you're pumping out new podcasts and things like that. So go go check out TNC Podcasts. But yeah, just a massive thank you for the, for the amount of support you've given us this year and, and the platform you've given us as well. Um, a big thank you to our um, friend uh, SJ uh, Sarah Jane Arts, who who does a, a lot of our um, imagery on, on Instagram. SJ, we we absolutely love you uh, as a human and as a friend and as an artist as well. So thank yeah. you very much. Uh, we want to say uh, another big thank you to all of our musical shout outs we've had this year. We've had uh, Two Day Coma, Alas, and Band of Crooks. Um, you three have given another element to the podcast this year. Yeah, for um, sure. So thank you, thank you so much for letting us uh, letting us letting us pimp you a little bit. You know, just give you just give you a little bit of a flick on the shoulder. Um, so so thank you very much. Um, and then also we did have some uh, we did have some people on the podcast this year. Not a lot, you know. We were still trying to find our feet as a podcast, um, but we do just want to say a massive shout out to to Hamish uh, for coming on and doing our uh, bros uh, bruise quiz. Um, and then also another massive shout out to uh, Kai and uh, Tabby for for jumping on with us in November for Movember in that podcast we had, which we had such a good time, such yeah. a good time doing that. Um, and and once again, I'm going to say it, but thank you to all of the listeners out there, the people that get in contact with us, um, uh, you know, throughout the weeks and, and say how much you enjoy the podcast and, and what you're loving and listening to and what it's made you think about and feel. That That's why we're doing this. We're having the conversations we don't usually have and you guys coming in, then having those conversations with us is, 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 makes it exactly worth it. So just thank you so much to to everyone who's who's really helped us this year and, and driven us to to want to keep doing this and get through 30 episodes and and what 2020 has been so so thank you everyone yeah i mean i don't have much more to say to that other than to say yeah thank you so much to to the the, the silent listeners the people that are out there and and then enjoying that trust us we watch the stats we're, we're doing the analytics we know <laughs> we know where we are we know where you are we know you exist so thank you so much 
Um, and also thank you to the, the less silent listeners, the people that flick us the messages on Instagram, whether you're a close friend of ours or an acquaintance or someone we've never met before. Thank you so much. Those messages are the, genuinely the, the things that keep us going. Um, that, that positive feedback, sending that love and aroha around us is so huge. So thank you to everyone who's who's listening, whether you're listening to this in the build up to Christmas, whether you're listening to it next year. Um, thank you so much and yeah to everyone out there enjoy the christmas period we hope you have some some valuable r&r some nice downtime watch some christmas movies don't forget about (laughs) klaus try cook something different and we will see you in a couple of weeks when we're a little bit refreshed we're raring to go we can't wait to share uh our plans and our our devious schemes for 2021 because it's going to be huge year for the bros and brews podcast yeah um we're gonna we're gonna bring it we're gonna hey i i want to say as well man Thank you to you, bro. Thank you to you. Um, I I love you, man. You know that so much. Um, and yeah, I wish you a, a, a Merry Christmas and a happy end to 2020, man. So thank you very much for doing this. Thank you, brother. You know, I love you too um, so, so much. And thank you so much for what this podcast has been this year. Um, yeah, just an absolute highlight of, of 2020 um, as we keep coming around to say, because it's true. And, and I think yeah. we just want to yeah. yeah share share our appreciation both for each other and for everyone else out there um thank you to everyone for listening have a wonderful rest of 2020 and we will see you next time peace